Hello, hello. Uh, So for today's episode, I've got something a little special for you. There's so many topics out there that I can't do episodes on because frankly, I just don't know enough about them. One such topic is probiotics and gut health. Here's the extent of what I know. Number one, our gut health is incredibly important and can often affect numerous other things in our lives. And number two, Probiotics are the perfect way to maintain a healthy gut and solve a lot of issues that come with poor gut health. That's it. That, that, that's all I know. That is the extent of what an episode could sound like if I were to host it. But I'm not going to do that. That's why I'm so excited about today's episode, because rather than trying to bumble my way through an episode on a topic I know nothing about, I've decided to partner with someone who does know. Today's episode is hosted by Tina Anderson. Along with her partner, Billy Anderson, Tina is the founder of Just Thrive, a leader in the world of probiotics and antioxidants. In the episode, she'll be interviewing Karan Krishnan, a microbiologist who has spent his career applying his background in strict research and science to the dietary and nutrition markets. This is an awesome conversation. So make sure you listen all the way until the end. You're not going to want to miss all of the absolute gems of information and the tiny leaps that they give you throughout. But I've got a surprise for you. I set up a deal with Tina and her team over at Just Thrive to get you 15% off all products right now. All you have to do is go to www.justthrivehealth.com and use the code TLBC. And don't worry, I'm going to tell you the offer again at the end of the conversation. So make sure you stick around for that. And until then, enjoy this conversation between Tina Anderson, the founder of Just Thrive and Karan Krishnan. My name is Tina Anderson. I am the CEO and co-founder of Just Thrive, a gut health supplement company that focuses on the latest research on gut health. And I am so excited because I'm here today with the brilliant Kiran Krishnan. Uh, Kiran is a research microbiologist whose focus is on human, the human microbiome and wellness. And he is a frequent lecturer, largely to national and international medical audiences. Um, But he's also um, an expert guest on live radio, satellite podcasts, and many conferences throughout the world. Karan comes from a strict research background in the fields of molecular medicine and microbiology. And over the past 17 years, he's conducted dozens, um, if not way more than that, dozens of human clinical trials. Um, I think one of Karan's greatest gifts, though, is his ability to take um, complicated scientific concepts and speak about them in a very easy-to-understand language. Um, And so the name of this podcast is perfect for the topic we'll be discussing, Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Uh, Fostering your gut health is a tiny leap that could truly make a profound change in our health. So, Karan, welcome. This is so fun to have the opportunity to interview you. Usually, you and I are sitting next to each other being interviewed on gut health. So, um, this is exciting to be able to be interviewing you. So, welcome, Karan. Hi. Thanks, Tina. And and it is. I like this change. It's a it's cool. We get to have a conversation, the kind of nerdy, fun conversations we would normally have at like dinner or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we get to have other people peek into the conversation. So thanks for having me. And I think this will be fun. 
Yes, it'll be great. So we are here today to talk about gut health, um, such an important topic in this day and age, especially now everything that's going on. But maybe just for the audience to help them understand what is gut health in the simplest possible way and why is it so important? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of misnomers on this because when you say gut health, the vast majority of people immediately think of digestion, right? And 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 just your di- your ability to digest foods and any side effects from that, like gas and bloating and and uh, irritated bowels and so on. Those are all important, and and that all falls within gut health. But what people don't really realize is that the vast majority of chronic illnesses are also driven by a dysfunctional gut. That's the part that's surprising for most people when they hear that. And it was surprising for scientists when, when you first started seeing the research on this, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, but now the research is overwhelming and it shows that your gut, which is your microbiome, let's call it, uh, let's use the, the appropriate word for it. And we can describe what a microbiome is your microbiome, controls the vast majority of your health outcomes. Um, and, and we can talk about why that is. But let me give a definition of the microbiome for the audience. So the microbiome, and they may have heard this word already, but the microbiome, that word encompasses all of the living organisms and all of their genetic elements uh, in and on the host. And we are, of course, the host. And we have within us and on us, on our skin, on every part of our body, inside our digestive tract inside our circulation, in our cerebral spinal fluid, on our eyes, virtually every part on the inside and outside of our body are covered with microbes, right? So these are bacteria, viruses, fungi, uh, protozoa, all kinds of, of unique organisms that live in and on us. And we used to think of these organisms as merely hitchhikers on this ride. Right, they they right. jumped on board uh, from getting from us getting exposed to them through the outside environment and so on, and 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 that they just kind of lived here silently in and on our system. And if they ever went awry, then they would cause an infection or disease. Um, but what we really didn't understand is that almost ninety percent of what makes us human comes from these organisms and not from our own cells, our own genetics, and so on. So that's a, a new reframe that we have to have in order to properly understand gut health or properly understand the microbiome, is we have to start to understand that the microbes that live in and on us conduct over 90% of all of the functions that are required to be human. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. And I think it bears repeating, 90% comes from these microbial cells. 90% of these microbial cells are what create us. And um, I think that is probably one of the biggest, um, you know, eye-opening moments for people as they start to uncover gut health. Yeah. And, you know, if you look, if we were to take anyone's blood sample right now, and uh, we were to look at all the chemistry going on in the blood, right? And, and people understand there's all kinds of molecules floating around in your blood that conduct very important functions, including things like hormones and neurotransmitters and, um, you know, peptides and so on. So all of these really important biochemical molecules floating around in your blood that are critical for your function. At any given time, almost 50% of all of those compounds are made in the gut from bacteria. You can't get them from food. You can't absorb them out of food because they're not present in food. 
You can't make them yourself. Us as a, as a human, we can't make those. We count on our microbes in our gut, the, these nutrient factories full of microbes, hundreds and hundreds of different microbes to make those compounds for you. So at any given time, almost 50% of all of the chemistry going on inside your body comes from microbes that are living in your gut, taking food that you eat and converting it into compounds that are absolutely critical for your existence. Wow, that is incredible. And it leads to why it's so important because it's really dictating so many aspects of our overall health. And that's exactly right. You know, they, one of the analogies I use is how useful is a car without a driver, right? We, we, we've got, we, you can have the best car in the world. You can have the most efficient car. It's never going to get you from point A to point B, at least uh, not right now without the self-driving car, before the self-driving cars, yeah. without a driver sitting in it, right? And so the microbes are the drivers in your system and, and we are the car. And uh, we have certain basic equipment including a home that we provide for the microbes, but we are we live in something called a, a symbiogenesis type of setup where we provide them this home and they provide all of these critical functions for the home. And so what's really starting to become surprising in a way is that we're finding out more and more that the vast majority of chronic illnesses can be traced back to some disruption, some critical disruption in your microbiome, either the presence of an organism or the absence of an organism or presence or absence of huge groups of organisms. And then of course, all of the downstream effects that that has, you know, uh, even, even things like Alzheimer's, for example, in even 2017, there was a paper published in September, 2017, showing that the critical first step to the start of, of the beta placking in the brain that, that is foundational to, to the onset of Alzheimer's, that critical first step is because of a endotoxin uh, that's produced in the gut and migrates through a leaky gut and gets into the brain and, um, and starts that inflammatory process that, that starts to degenerate the brain. So, you know, it's, it's mind boggling, right? When you think about all of the things that the microbes in our system impact and we're not really paying attention to any of those aspects of the, with the microbes. I mean, how often are you actually addressing your microbes when you're trying to address your overall health and wellness, right? That's, it's just right. not happening enough yet. Right. You know, people don't think of heart disease or diabetes or, um, you know, anxiety, depression as being related to the gut, to your gut, but it sounds like that's exactly what they are, that they are absolutely related to the health of your gut. That's right. It, it absolutely is. You know, there's no if, ands, or buts about it anymore. It's not a theory. Uh, it's, not, it's not kind of crazy, lofty scientific thinking. So much of this has been extensively validated through research. The microbiome and the gut-associated re research is one of the biggest um, evolutions and revolutions in medical uh, research history. In the last five years, there have been over 50,000 published studies related to this topic, right? 50,000. It's, wow. it's absolutely insane. Over 10,000 research papers are being published each year. It is the biggest revolution in, in medicine. And what's really exciting about it is we are finally starting starting to understand how the human body works. 
you know, all these years of medical and scientific research, we were looking at a mere 10% of how the human body works. We weren't considering the walking, talking rainforest that we are and, and how we can utilize microbes in the most effective ways to improve our health and wellness. Wow, that is amazing. And, you know, the question I think a lot of people ask me is, how do they know? How do I know if I have a problem with my gut? You know, if I think it, people will know if they have gas or bloating and other gastrointestinal discomforts that they probably have some dysbiosis in their gut or some imbalance in their gut. But how else do you know? How would maybe you think you have a really healthy gut? So how do you know if you have an unhealthy gut or problems with your gut? Yeah. So, you know, that, that is a common misconception. Like uh, when I talk to people, they say, oh, I don't have any gut problems. Mm -hmm. but, you know, but then they're saying it, well, I don't have any gut problems as long as I don't eat this, this, and this. Right. 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 And, and they found like, oh, yeah, I, I'm totally fine as long as I stay away from cruciferous vegetables. Well, that's not normal. Right. Uh, humans are, are omnivores in a large sense, and we're supposed to be able to eat lots of different things. You, you have a gut problem if you feel fine as long as you don't eat this, this, this and that. Right. That's <laughs> right. still a gut problem. Now, you might feel fine in your digestive tract, but you may have a, a, a problem with sleep. You might have anxiety. You might have a skin issue. You might be struggling with weight. Uh, all of these kinds of things are related to the gut. Let's take sleep for, for an example. You might never think that your inability to fall asleep or stay asleep has anything to do with your gut, right? That, that's the last thing you're probably going to think about. Um, but in reality, a couple of very critical neurotransmitters that are, being, that are required in order for you to be able to kind of turn down for the night and actually get to sleep uh, are produced in the gut. Things like GABA right? And brain-derived neurotropic factor. Those are really important neurotransmitters that are very important to get your circadian rhythm right and get you to be able to turn off for the night so that you can actually rest and go to sleep. Those neurotransmitters are largely produced in the gut. And if your microbes aren't healthy and they're not producing enough of it for you, you're going to have a really hard time falling asleep. You know, the same thing with, with stress management. Um, there are lots of microbes that can live in your gut and actually produce toxins that increase the expression of, of stress hormones, right? So, so you're going to end up with anxiety-like feelings, um, and, and you might think it's in your head, but it's actually in your gut. Right. You know, Campylobacter, right? Is a, Campylobacter is a good example of that. Campylobacter jejuni is a organism that is uh, probably the second most common food poisoning organism in poultry, right? Salmonella is probably the top, but Campylobacter is a second. One of the effects that Campylobacter has in, in the gut is it creates certain toxins that, that make you feel panicked and make you feel a heightened sense of anxiety. Right. And, and that has nothing to do with your brain. It's all in your gut. And, and the, why does it do that? Well, the reason it does that, to go elaborate on that a little bit more, is what, what's one of the things that occurs anytime you feel really anxious and all that is your bowels get loose. Right. 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 And people, all, we colloquially, we used to refer to it as like a gut feeling or, uh, you know, you, it, your gut is affected by your emotions. Uh, we know that, right? And we know that just intrinsically. Uh, like if something is really stressful, it makes you feel sick, right? To your stomach, actually. And, and, it, and the thing is it's, is, it's not that the emotional stress is making your gut messed up. It's something going wrong in your gut that's making you feel that way. 
right? So Campylobacter makes you makes you um, anxious and panic because your bowels become loose. And when your bowels become loose, that's a way for the Campylobacter to try to clear out its competition in the gut because it's competing for space with the other bacteria in the system. So, so there's a lot of those kind of organisms, right, that are creating toxins and all that that actually make you feel stressed, make you feel panic, and, and it's coming from the gut. Wow, that is really interesting, the um, kind of trying to move the other ones out and stuff. And the other interesting thing is serotonin, that 90% of our serotonin is produced in our gut. When I learned that, I was shocked. You know, that, of course, is the happy hormone. And, um, but you see that all the time. When people start to clean up their gut, then all of a sudden they start to be happier in a better mood. You know, it's amazing that you think that you're maybe clearing up some gastrointestinal issues, but then all of a sudden you have these other great side effects. And I've also heard a lot of people, once they start to really... Um, do things to improve their gut health to have better weight management. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the microbes in your gut uh, absolutely control how your body responds to food in, in every aspect, how your how the food is broken down, how it's metabolized, uh, how you feel after you eat. Um, are you still hungry? Do you get satiated like the way you should? How is the energy absorbed from the food and so on? Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamental issue of how your body responds to food. And, you know, we all know that um, that person that can eat whatever they want and never gain weight, right? We, we used to always say that they have a quote-unquote high metabolism, that that was the special effect of them, that their metabolism was so high that they were just burning calories like crazy so they could eat whatever they want. Well, it's, that's not actually true because the research clearly shows that people who tend to stay lean – and don't struggle with weight issues tend to have a specific type of microbiome. Um, they've got a conformation in their microbiome of certain organisms that, um, that improve their satiety signals, improve glucose control, and increase fat burn uh, within, within their system as well. And, and it's just a small handful of microbes. One of those is acromantia mucinophila. Um, acromancia helps with improving satiety after you eat so you don't overeat so that when you're full, you stop eating, right? That whole signaling of satiety uh, and that signaling of hunger is controlled in large part by your microbiome. Um, your body's ability to burn fat after a meal versus counting mostly on sugar and carbohydrates is also a factor within the microbiome. And they've done these studies where they take uh, where they take discordant twins. So these are identical twins, right? Who have hundred percent the same genetics, but one twin is overweight and one twin is lean. Then what they've done is then they, they, ha they take these, uh, these breeds of mice who are just kind of your normal everyday mice and they're feeding them a certain diet and all the mice kind of have a good stable weight. Right. And then they take the microbiome from the, from the overweight twin and then the lean twin. And then they inoculate like half the mice with the overweight twins microbiome and the other half of the lean. And, and then they feed them the same exact diet. Nothing changes about the diet, but just having that overweight twins microbiome causes uh, half those mice to start to gain weight wow. despite no changes in the diet, wow. right? It's just having different microbes. And then the lean, the, the mice that got the lean twins microbiome stay lean. And then what they can do is they can flip it. So then they take the overweight mice and then they put the lean twins microbiome in and then they flip the other way around. And then you start to see weight gain 
on the mice that got the overweight twins uh, microbiome as a second round. And then the overweight mice start to lose weight because now they have the, the overweight, the lean twins microbiome. So they've done many versions of this, of this study. And in fact, it's, it's happened in humans actually as well through fecal transplants. There was a couple of cases where the recipient of the fecal transplant, that's where you have such a messed up gut that you actually get fecal matter from a donor and then, and then insert it into your colon. They also do that for people with really bad C. diff infections. Um, but, but the lady, one of the recipients of the fecal transplant had really bad, I think, colitis or something like that. And, and then her condition improved quite a bit, but immediately she started gaining weight and she had never struggled with weight in her entire life. And then as it turns out, the donor was actually overweight. And wow. so now she's got the donor's microbiome, right? So now her body responds differently to food. And, and the good thing about all of this is that, and I think that's the most important message here is that all of this is, is changeable, is actionable, right? Because right. what we're talking about is we're not talking about genetic dysfunctions. We're not talking about mutations in a certain gene that make you susceptible to these things. We're talking about an ecosystem, an ecology. And like any ecology in the world, you can change the ecology by putting in certain things. And, uh, and, you, and by changing the ecology, you can make profound impact. And so, you know, that's really the key message here that's very exciting is that, number one, the vast majority of chronic health issues ties back to your microbiome and your gut in some way or the other, right? And number yeah. two, if you can make certain changes in your gut and your microbiome, you can, see, um, you can see a significant improvement in lots of these kinds of problems, yeah. right? You can support a much better health outcome. Um, and so there's a lot of actionable steps. Yeah. And that's the key. So what are the things that are in our environment right now that are really big offenders to our gut health? Yeah. So there are so many things, you know, um, starting with just overuse of antibiotics, right? There's lots and lots of data coming out and already out showing that antibiotic use has a long-term profound effect, negative effect on your microbiome. Uh, you know, a single course of clindamycin, for example, can mess up your microbiome for almost two years. Um, so that's that's a huge impact. And even the CDC estimates that upwards of 50%, five zero of antibiotic prescriptions are unneeded, are wow. unnecessary, right? Because they're being prescribed for things like viral infections where the antibiotic doesn't actually help. So... So that's one of the big things. And of course, antibiotics are important. And again, if your doctor says you need an antibiotic, you know, follow your doctor's orders. Uh, but that's just one of the examples. We're not, we're not trying to tell people here to rebel against antibiotics. <laughs> right. it's, it's important to note that, uh, that that's one of the leading causes. Um, sometimes the antibiotics, it's not just the antibiotics you take, which I'm sure you were about to say, it's the antibiotics that are in our food supply even that we don't even realize that we're consuming. That's exactly right. And, and in fact, those are even more sinister because you get long-term exposure to those, right? Your, your typical antibiotic that your doctor may prescribe you maybe five days, seven days, and then you can work on specifically recovering your gut after that. But the, but the antibiotics that are found in your food, in your drinking water, in the meat that you eat, those things are sinister because you don't know they're there and you're just eating everything, right? And, uh, and then, of course, one of the most sinister of all of them is, is are things like Roundup right? The, the, the weed killer, glyphosate being the active ingredient, that stuff is in all of our food, food chain supplies. It's in, it's 
found in virtually every kind of food out there that's not organic. Uh, it's found in drinking water. It's found in all kinds of packaged products. And, and of course, lots of people use it in their, in their homes and gardens. And so we're getting extensive exposure to things like that that uh, are very destruct destructive to our microbiome. You know, and then there's other things as well. So when you look at, um, you know, fluoride and chlorine in your drinking water, when you look at the preservatives uh, and antimicrobials found in the foods that are specifically added uh, as preservatives to extend shelf life of things, um, in, even when you look at personal care products, you know, people have to be quite, quite um, cautious about what they put on their body. You know, the lotions you use, the soaps, the deodorants, all of those things have chemistries that have not been tested against the microbiome. And, and many of them will have a deleterious effect on the microbiome. So there are lots of little steps of, of avoiding things that can be quite devastating to your microbiome. Yeah. And even uh, stress is also a big one that just seems to be a big offender. And we're all, unfortunately, I mean, the world we're living in today is very stressful, but even before everything happened with the pandemic, we we're living this fast paced life and it's really hard to um, avoid a lot of the things that are disruptive to the microbiome. I mean, I think I've heard you say before, Karan, that we live in this very antimicrobial world, but yet we are more microbial than we are human. And so, you know, how do we fix all these issues? How do we support our gut health? What are the best ways? What's the good news? You know, we want to hear good news. Like, what can we do to actually help um, our bodies and our gut live a healthy life? Yeah. So let's talk about some tiny steps that people can do, right? So, so well, let's lay out a few things. Um, as I mentioned, one of the things that is, is, is especially devastating is all the antimicrobials in the and all that that we get exposed to. So um, one tiny step would be trying to clean up your your the, your diet a little bit, right? So if you can, if you eat no organic food right now, you know maybe one of the tiny steps is each week try to replace one of the staple things that you eat in your in your day, in your weekly um, in a regimen with a uh, with the organic version of it. Right. So if you love peanut butter and you eat peanut butter all the time, then maybe um, try to switch to an organic peanut butter. Right. That in itself can have an impact. Um, if you if you eat uh, you know pasta every week and that's one of your favorite things or chicken every week, switch to an organic free range version. Eggs, they're organic versions. All of those things will help reduce your exposure to to the kinds of chemistries that impact your microbiome. Then the other tiny step you could take is, is pick a personal care product like a lotion or a shampoo or deodorant and try to find the cleanest, simplest version of that. I've been on that journey with, with deodorants for a couple of years, trying to find the cleanest, most effective, natural version of a deodorant that doesn't have aluminum and other things in it. I've also been doing that with lotions, right? Trying to find the cleanest lotion that doesn't have 25, 30 ingredients in it with preservatives and all of these things, because all of that makes a difference because all of that affects your ecological system. Um, so that's another tiny step. So, so try to make small steps to improving and uh, your, your diet and, and increasing the amount of organic and more natural clean label things that you consume and then do that on the personal care side as well. So that's simple things people can do the very next day as they wake up. Um, Tina, you mentioned stress. Stress is another big thing and yes, a lot of stress starts in the gut that makes you more stressed, but then 
your inability to manage stress will also mess up your gut because one of the things that stress does is it increases the presence of virulent microbes in your system. So if you have bacteria or viruses that could be pathogenic that are living in your system that are like in hibernation, the moment your stress hormones get elevated, they see that, they now know that the host is compromised, and then they start to, to uh, proliferate their virulence factors, right? So, so the, it, it can mess up your microbiome. So implement some sort of morning or evening meditation. You know, there's so many meditation apps. You don't have to become an expert in meditation. Um, just try to have some degree of calmness throughout the day uh, where your mind can kind of try to rest and you can bring down some of the stress levels. And, and maybe it's a massage, you know, of course, uh, outside of COVID time. Maybe it's, you know, going out for a run that brings down your stress level. Maybe it's watching TV. Whatever it may be, you need to find some way of alleviating stress to a certain degree, right? Because that has a huge impact. So those three simple lifestyle things, can, can you can start doing the very next day. Taking a good probiotic is going to be absolutely critical, right? And you need a probiotic that's going to be protective of your microbiome. We work and we do a lot of our research with spore-based probiotics, right? Spore-based probiotics are quite unique because they can survive through the gastric system, which is the stomach acid and the bile salts that, that they encounter in the small intestine. Um, and then, uh, you know, because they can survive, they get into the intestines alive. And when they're there, they're highly supportive for the rest of the microbiome. They have ways of, of competing against um, problematic organisms. They have lots of ways of supporting the growth of the beneficial organisms. So they kind of act as the orchestrator for the microbiome, which is hugely important for overall health of your gut. So taking the right probiotic can go a long way in overcoming some of the dysfunctional things that occur from modern living in, in this kind of chemical-ridden society and exposure to all of the toxins and all that that we have. So that's a really simple thing to do. And again, uh, spore-based probiotics are probably the best ones. Uh, we, of course, work with uh, the Just Thrive probiotics. So that's a, an ideal one to, to, to look into. Um, and then on the diet side, you know, one of the simplest things you can do in terms of the foods that you eat, besides trying to clean up the diet, go more organic, more all natural, less packaged foods, because packaged foods have preservatives and antimicrobials. Um, the, one of the simplest things you can do is increasing the diversity of your diet, you know, yeah. trying to get in as many different foods into your system. One of the simple things I always tell people is, you know, try each week to add in a new food that you would, you wouldn't typically eat, right? A simple thing would be to go to, to an a Asian grocery store or a Middle Eastern grocery store uh, where you'll find uh, roots and tubers and vegetables and fruits and all that you wouldn't find at your typical Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and so on. Just grab one of those, a star fruit or dragon fruit or bok choy or something unique that you don't typically eat and add it into your diet. And you don't have to make a whole dish of it. You can just steam and saute it and so on um, so that we can, uh, you know, you, you can add it into your diet as a small component. Any kind of diversity that you add to your diet can have a huge positive impact on your microbiome, right? So if you're just doing those few things, those are tiny steps. So step one, reduce your exposure to food-based chemicals by trying to go organic, trying to go fresh food as much as you can, staying away from packaged foods as much as you can. And again, each 
week, maybe just clean up one item that you typically eat, right? Uh, number two would be uh, pick a personal care product, whether it's lotion, soap, deodorant, and try to find and research the cleanest version of that. And there's lots of options these days. People are making cleaner and cleaner versions of these things. Uh, number three, take a good probiotic. That's absolutely critical. Uh, you know, spore-based probiotics are the ones I recommend the most. Uh, we work with the Just Thrive probiotics, so that's the one that's one of my favorites for people to use. Um, and then uh, number four, increase the diversity in your diet. Um, try to add in new foods each week. You don't have to make a whole meal of it. You can just have a small component of a new food and then try to maintain those new foods each week while you're adding in new stuff. So as you as the time goes by, your diversity in your diet increases more and more. And then the last thing is try to manage stress. So try to find something that gives you some degree of relief. You're going to be stressed throughout the day. No doubt about that. It, stress is a normal part of the human condition. But what you want to do is find ways to manage it, right? Find ways that give you some relief, that give you some alleviation from the stress. And you can figure out what that is. So if you focus on those five little things, you start incorporating them uh, the very next day, they will add up to huge outcomes in the long term when it comes to your health and wellness. <clears throat> yeah. And I cannot emphasize that anymore. Yeah, that is great. And I love that you brought up the eating the diverse foods because that's a tiny leap I've made in my life too, just because it's so much healthier for us all to create that diversity in the gut. One question that I wanted to bring up is, the if you could explain very briefly, because I know we're coming up at our time to end things, but um, the difference between spore-based probiotics and what you see in the refrigerated section, let's just say, of the health food store. How do people know, like, why is the spore-based better um, than the conventional probiotics that you might see in the refrigerated section? You know, a big part of it is the survival, right? So in order for these probiotics to really have an effect, um, they have to be able to survive through the gastric system, get into the gut alive and function as, as living organisms. Uh, one of the key things about the spores is their ability to survive. They're highly stable. They're designed by nature to make it through this digestive tract, this gastric system. Um, and, and they have this unique capability. You know, you don't have to do anything to them. You're not trying to engineer them. You're not trying to add special capsules. Um, it's, it's just how they are designed by nature to do that. So, uh, you know, we've, we've really kind of har harnessed that capability of nature um, to provide these organisms with the ability to survive. And that alone makes a profound effect in terms of how they impact your gut. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting part that people are starting to understand is that they need to be alive in the gut, you know, where a lot of the probiotics that you see in the marketplace are, you know, alive maybe in the refrigerator, but they don't necessarily make the journey down to the intestines alive. So that was one of the first studies that we did was we took the spore-based probiotic and compared it to um, other conventional probiotics. Some of the leading selling ones found in major health food stores and found that most of those probiotics actually die before they ever get to the intestines. So there, people are taking dead bacteria and it, it doesn't mean it doesn't do anything, but it's not really making a profound change in the gut. So that's really, I think what I've noticed has been the biggest difference with the spores and why they're so effective is just their ability to get to the intestines hundred percent alive. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's so important, you know, and, uh, um, and keep in mind that the spores, they're not, they're not new necessarily. They've been used in the pharmaceutical industry since 1952. 
right? So they've been they've been used in Europe, in Latin America, in Southeast Asia uh, as pharmaceutical products um, since 1952. So they've been in the market for a long time. They just haven't been utilized as much in the U.S. nutritional market, and you know, and, and we've been using them now for almost seven years, and and they're they're the awareness around them and all that is increasing quite a bit. Uh, which is great, and 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 I think it'll be that'll be the next big uh, revolution in in the probiotic space is the um, utility of the spores. Yeah, definitely. I love that you're bringing new and exciting science to the audience, and um, I love all of the tiny leaps that you suggested because they will definitely make profound and big changes once you start cleaning up your gut. Um, you start to see some pretty profound changes. So um, thank you so much, Karan, for your time. It was so great chatting with you today. And I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Thank you, Tina. I hope you enjoyed Tina's conversation with Karan. I, I want to give a big shout out to them because that was an amazing, amazing episode. They really took things from like a gut health probiotic 101 level all the way through uh, maybe like a 102, 103. Like I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about about just better understanding the role that gut health plays, the role that probiotics can help in improving our gut health and all of the issues that can come from poor gut health. So I just want to thank them for sharing that wisdom and that knowledge and that experience with us. I definitely took some notes and I hope that you did as well. If you're in the market for probiotics and antioxidants, which you should be after hearing that convo, I highly recommend giving Just Thrive a try. Head over to www.justthrivehealth.com right now and use the code TLBC at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's justthrivehealth.com. Select the products that fit your needs. They've got probiotics, prebiotics, immunity boosters, gut protection, and so much more. Pretty much whatever you need when it comes to gut health justthrivehealth.com. Select your products and use the code TLBC at checkout to save 15% on your order. Again, shout out to Tina and Karan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I appreciate you. For those of you listening, I appreciate you taking the time to better yourself, to learn what you need, what you are missing to improve your health and improve your life as a result. Thank you for being here. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.